You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. You are very welcome. I am Ahanu and this is my lovely Angel Rose. And this last week, five days perhaps, we have been very privileged to be in Ashland in Oregon. And on top of that, we've been very privileged to meet some amazing people. And one of those amazing people is with us here today, and her name is Denise Kessler. Now, we're going to turn to Denise in just a few moments, but Angel Rose, you've got some amazing breakthroughs this last few days we want to tell you about. I'm not revealing my breakthroughs at home. Let's just say that we were uh, at a salon with Jean Houston, and uh, which went very deep into our souls, and all of us uh, really bonded together. And and get moved forward by leaps and bounds. So that's all I'll say more about that later. Huh? Okay. But uh, I'm interested in getting into Denise's paintings because um, for me, when I looked at Denise's book of her paintings, um, they were so shamanic and so deep also in the psyche and the soul that, um, of course, I had to buy a few prints before we left. Uh -huh. And that's what inspired us to come and speak to Denise Kessler. And she invited us into our studio. And in a few minutes after we do a little introduction with Denise, we are going to take a little walk around her studio. And she's going to reveal to us how she actually does her paintings. So, Denise, you are very welcome to the Honest to God series. This is our show. It goes out on YouTube and on the podcast. And we know our audience and we know that they would be interested in hearing how you draw on consciousness and how you bring that consciousness out onto pictures so that people can learn and benefit from what you do. Well, let's so, first hear about how you got into all of this. How did this happen for you? Well, it all began with dream work for me, uh, doing, the, um, doing images or illustrations of, of uh, dream, dream characters. And I was dreaming a lot about bears and eagles and dogs and cats and all kinds of things and so and and snakes and whatever. But so I would illustrate my dreams. So my business is called Drawing on the Dream because that's where that's where it started. Mm. Um, and now because I've been doing it for forty years. Um, I don't so much illustrate my dreams anymore unless I get something that really speaks to that, like Raven Dream was a direct uh, image from a dream. But I, I came out here to the studio and pulled it together as best as I could. But it gave me an opportunity to find out what is it about Raven and what is it about Crow? So I did a lot of study about myths and stories around those animals or bear, and bear as well. Why are they visiting me? Why are they visiting me in my dreams? And then why are they visiting me in my uh, artwork? Mm -hmm. So, And now dream work and artwork are so intertwined that I do so much of that shamanic work and those uh, that illustration or those stories and the images that come up just in my work that 
they're not showing up as much in my dream mm-hmm. world <laughs> because they're already here. Mm-hmm. And often what happens is if it shows up in my dreams, it starts showing up in my artwork. If it shows up in my artwork, it starts showing up in my dreams. But I really pay attention to the, um, to the characters and critters, animals, uh, entities, uh, gods and goddesses that show up. Let me ask you, because I've always found it from my own dreams and from when other people tell you about their dreams, that they're very quickly and easily dismissed. In other words, when I have a dream, you, you kind of remember it for the first five minutes in the morning and after that it's gone. And I have never attributed too much importance to that. But you obviously do. So you retain that dream and, and bring it onto the canvas or onto the paper. Why... You're obviously attaching more importance to the dream than most people. Maybe, unless you talk to some dreamers or dream workers, you know, then, you know, ask them and they'll... It's very important who, mm-hmm. who shows up right. to, the, to the dream. And I can't quite remember what you just asked me. About remembering the dream and why you feel why it's so important. important. Oh, to, yeah, yeah. Um, there's something amazingly important if in the honoring. Okay. When you get an image or an idea or uh, something comes in a dream or in the artwork, if you, it is my job to, to honor what is coming. And when I do that, then dream time honors me by keep showing up. Right. So when you turn your attention to something then that something turns its attention to you right and so we have a relationship and there's also something about when you bring something from um, a different dimension like a dream time and you bring it into this reality it empowers it and it empowers me somehow in the doing would that be the case with a negative dream too? That if you remember that negative dream, you're empowering it and bringing it into this reality? Mm, no. Because the way I feel about a negative dream is, or a, a scary dream, is that the dream time or the dream um, power is trying to get your attention. Okay. Like for me, it's usually, it's exaggerated. It's exaggerated oh. because it's like, what do I have to do? Hammer you over the... I'm trying to get your attention about this issue. So if you can get inside the dream to figure out what that issue is, then mm-hmm. that's what... It's something... It's a powerful thing, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. why do we dream? Right. Why do we dream? Yes, it's something that I, I think that we very easily dismiss. I mean, we spend a third of our lives asleep and yeah. a lot of that time dreaming, perhaps all of it dreaming, uh, not, not, we don't always remember it all. But I have to agree, yes, there's something enormously powerful about that. But uh, Angel Rose mentioned this last few days, seeing the, uh, the, the crow or the raven many, many times in your work. Now, what I want to ask you is, in Native American Indian traditions, the raven or the crow will have certain significance. Mm-hmm. In the Irish tradition, it will have a different significance or a different meaning. Is there 
a bigger meaning to that? Or are we all interpreting our own dreams according to our own selves? Do you understand my question? Yes, I think it's both somehow, if it can be both. And it's a little bit of a paradox uh, because I think there is a collective unconscious. I think there are some similarities. But I do try to to read up on different myths from around the world on um, raven or crow. And and if something resonates with me, mm-hmm. with whatever's going on in my life, when a um, raven or crow shows up in a dream, then I know that's true. I mean, it's the feeling that I have in the center of my body. It's like, yeah, that's okay. it. And, and I'll just, write about it. And the stories that come up around the pieces really have to do with that, too. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I think uh, early on in, in my life, too, you know, when I was first trying to get in contact with my higher self, and the messages always came through symbols of one type or another. And sometimes they were animals, sometimes they were chalices, sometimes they were journeys to another dimension, yeah. you know, with, mm-hmm. And and you're aware that every single thing that you're going through and that vision is important. Mm -hmm. Why are the stairs made out of crystal as opposed to wood? And, you know, that sort of a thing. So, um, and certainly that carries through to the dream world with people in terms of interpreting all that symbolic message, which is really what it is. It's a way to communicate with our other selves that we're not aware of every single day. Yeah. Or consciously, yeah. We do want to ask about your process, you know, how you get that dream onto onto the paper. But before we go there, I, I, I do some artwork myself, and uh, and I can understand the benefit to me of painting. I, I get great pleasure out of it. Yeah. Okay, And I'm sure that you must get great pleasure also about that whole creative process. But what I'd love to know is, how does your dream of, let's say, a bear, how does that go out into your audience and into the world? Because I know you're regarded as a very great Oregon painter, artist. But how does that painting of a bear translate from your dream, your personal dream, into your satisfaction from painting it out into the outer world and benefit other people? How do you think that happens, or why does it happen? Well, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery. Um, I think that when I um, begin to work, I try to empty myself, like just no thought, Mm -hmm. and I breathe um, deep, and just try to come at the work from my source from my belly not my head the head gets in the way um but to come at it from the intuitive centers of my body to to just be to be a vessel for or a conduit or a scribe storyteller um and somehow that works there's something about monoprinting for me uh, putting that ink on the plate and moving it around that opens a door to that place for me. Mm-hmm. That That is my doorway in. And my job is to stay as clear-headed as possible, clear-minded, clear-body, open-hearted, yeah. 
to whatever comes through. I try not to um, to manipulate it in any way. Um, I try to just follow the the thread, the story, the feeling. And I don't know uh, why. Uh, I, it's just for me. That's how I I've always done it. I learned to work really quickly when my daughter was a baby because I I suddenly wanted to be home and not be off working. So um, I it was I would get into the studio and go. It has to work. Uh, you know, I let go. Right. I need your help. You know, whatever yeah, 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 that. Yeah. It, it has to, you know, it's a, a total trust thing, too, of the, of the process to see what is wanting to come through. And always first, it, it's something that's really important for me to know mm-hmm. that comes through. And fortunately, it resonates with other people, too. It's uh, something important for other people to know or feel. Yeah. Uh, from the image and the story. Yes. Um, not all of my pieces have stories, but most of them do. Yes. Some of the pieces, the title is enough, but the others have a lot that they want to say. Mm-hmm. So I am trying to allow that to happen. Right. To be in that space where that can happen. Right. And, Whatever those stories, and I believe it's from dream time, from the big dream, the aboriginal idea of dream time. Well, plus, let me just comment real quick. When I look at your pictures and your paintings, I think think some some of those images we all know on some level. And so they hit the, the deep mystic in all of us. Like I say, I looked at them and I thought, well, this is very shamanic, you know? It feels mm. deeply symbolic. In That's the what I wondered, how, how her, it, her interpretation impacts other people. But, but maybe, it, maybe it just gives its own message to each person. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But, because I know, like, going through with myself, um, I always read the caption because I thought the captions were always interesting. But there's just some, when you look at them, you go, yeah, I need that. And you haven't even read what it's about or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, you yeah. just go, I need that one, mm-hmm. you know, and you understand that it's transformative in some way, mm-hmm. capacity. But I think that they seem to be universally known mm-hmm. symbols. Do you think you know? that's the key to your success as being recognized as an artist, that people readily identify with the message of the pictures? I think, think so. That, yeah. yeah, they're very drawn to them. Yeah, yes. it means something to yeah, them, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I want to ask you, because you, you did say that you, you try to keep your head out of it, right? But I know, uh, as, an, as an artist myself, that there is that vulnerability inside you that says, you know, is this good enough? Will people like it? Will people want it? Will people pay money for it? You know, should I just tear it up and put it in the bin? You know, I, does that ever happen to you? <laughs> it happens all of the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When I built this studio, um, I... I I put blessings in the ground. I put blessings in the walls because I wanted it to be a safe and sacred place for not only myself to do my deep work and art, but for um, people who I knew that I was going to be teaching in here. And so a lot of people are very vulnerable when they're doing art. And it's, yeah. and um, so it's very important uh, to create the field, I guess, of right. surround uh, 
the sacred space and uh, so that it's safe. But always my, my head gets into um, um, getting in my way. And so my way of dealing with that is I take three deep breaths into my belly. And that there's something about doing that that brings you into your body and out of those worry mind thoughts that nobody's going to relate to this, what am I doing mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then you're in your body and then you know what to do. Okay. If you come from here, but this is just, I'll find myself starting to think that and I go, oh, I need to take those three deep breaths. Mm. And it's part of what we did over the weekend too, bypassing that brain that wants to keep you safe and... Yes, and, avoid um, criticism. Give an opinion. Yeah. Give an opinion. Yeah, yes. the, the critic, the... Yes, the self-defeating yeah. ego. And I, in the back of my book... I have a, a, a list of important things to remember uh, for the creative person. Yeah, let's have a look. Uh, just have my version here. <laughs> for when I do talks. And this is something I give out in all of my classes. Let's see. Important things to remember. So read them first. Okay. Imagine this. What you create, creates you. Trust is really important. Trust yourself, the process, your process. You will create what is true for you right now. Trust yourself to take chances. Trust the art you are to make. Listen to your body, your heart, your gut, which I believe is the home of the intuitive wisdom. Listen to the voice inside of you that has been trying to get you to do your art. Imagine this, what you create has a voice that is independent from you. Be kind to yourself and what you create. You are the stuff of stars. You are the physical manifestation of billions and billions of years of careful work. You are one of a kind. Here you are, amazingly, at this time, now, with a very long line of ancestors behind you. Be courageous. Be creative. Let go of expectations and outcome. Let go of perfection. Who's perfect anyway, and whose idea of perfection are you following? Let go of the distractions of the outside world. Turn off the media. Listen to your heart. Avoidance is a dance with the void. Go dance. It's part of the process. Get rid of the critic and the judge. They are bald-faced liars, and they're only trying to keep you safe. Forget control. Enjoy the surprises Control stops the flow of new ideas. There are no mistakes because they will always lead you to new possibilities. Point of view, things are not always as they appear. Relax, you can always rework it later. Draw on it, paint on it. You can cut it up and make something completely different. Rearrange it, do what your heart wants to do. But more importantly, do what your art wants to do. 
Imagine this, what you create may be crucial to what our world needs now. That's how important I think it is for people to do their creative work, whether it's writing, um, dancing, poetry, you know, it's crucial to the, the survival of our planet that we are creative, that we get to our creativity and be a part of that. Take a deep breath, three deep breaths into your belly and create from here. Stay present. Imagine this. What you are willing to stretch toward is willing to stretch toward you. Remember, you and your art make each other. That's beautiful. Important things to remember. <laughs> but don't, don't put that away too quickly because we've got a copy of this book. And I have to say that we got a great kick out of this because not only, as you've heard, is it fantastic philosophy that's coming through you, but also the visual images. And she's got them, the book full of these of her artwork. And the artwork has descriptions, but also towards the back you have a, not a procedure, what, it's a how-to, is it? It's, it's like a... It's, yeah, it's, um, I, at the time, was uh, taking photographs of the process, the process. of how the piece came to be. Yeah. So I'd love to bring our viewers and our listeners through that process. And if you wouldn't mind, can, we, can, you, can you walk us through what happens from the initial image that you get in all the way through to the finished product. Is that possible? From you can your... leave out one or two secret. <laughs> leave out the secret. Ingredients. <laughs> Nobody can just copy it exactly. Um, yeah. Are it... you talking about getting the ink out or? Uh, no, no, no. Just, we... just describe okay. broadly. From how... beginning to. Yeah. From beginning to end. Yeah, because you've got a press here, for example, yeah. and you've got a light box and various other things. But just give us an idea of where Do you it's want to walk around? Yeah, yeah walk just around. right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. let's, let's walk, walk around. around. Okay. Right now I have um, books in process. I also make handmade books. So got a lot of, a lot of things happening here in this studio. So I start with um, oil-based inks, usually lithography ink. And I always start with black and I work on a plexiglass sheet. So when I grab the ink, I just start moving it onto the plate in a random way. And I use my non-dominant hand as well, you know, just because the left hand knows different things than the right hand. So I try to do both. And then it's, it's a laying down of ink and then it's a wiping away using Q-tips is my main drawing tool of wiping. And also wooden tips for drawing as well. And when I do have black on here and I start working, then I come to the light table, which is a cool thing. Because it allows me to see the ink and it allows me to stand back and look at what, what I'm doing. So I'm kind of creating just this uh, energy and ink on the, I'm not paying much attention, 
I turn it around, I make some more marks, I turn it again, I make some more marks, turn it again, and then something starts to appear or make sense to me, and then I start either with a small, small little roller, I'll roll up some ink and lay some more ink down, um, wipe some away when a character or something starts to appear. And when I start to lay color down, I'm using larger rollers to lay the ink across the plate, adding color. So there's a lot of equipment involved in this, but I really love it. I love uh, working with it. So I'll show you these images over here, even though they are not finished whatsoever. But it'll give you an idea. A little bit better visual idea. So here's the plate, this size, starting with black and white. And then just this bear and this person showed up. Um, this person was reaching down and I was like, so one of the things I think about is, okay, well, what are they reaching for? What is, what are they trying to, and then somehow it occurs to me, oh, what about a fish or a salmon in the water? Because I'm very concerned about the waters of our world, our earth. So then I add more ink, or I take some more away, I draw, and then you can see this color goes from turquoise to blue. I'll put that all on one roller and then roll it across the plate, roll it across the plate, but then I have to wipe out the bear again and wipe out the face and using the Q-tip and bring in the fish more. Um, let's see, and so then it's ready to print. So I'll pull this print, which is what this is, and then the, when it's really wet, if it's, if it's really wet, I'll pull another print from the print. Like I'll put this paper onto a plate, put a fresh paper on top of the actual print, and it's kind of an offset print is what it is. So that's why it's backwards again, uh, because it's a print from here. And then there's still a little bit of ink left on the plate. So I'll come back in and wipe it some more or add some elements. And even though it's a little bit lighter, it still makes a very interesting print. Because then I can come in and maybe draw on it and pull it out a little bit better. And I don't know what the story is with this piece yet, except that I feel like she has something to do with the tides and the moon, and this bear feels like it's a, a, a moon bear, and there's a crescent here. So I don't know what the story is yet, because it's, it's so brand new. I haven't had a chance to dialogue with it. So then when I... When a piece is finished, or I feel like, oh, there's nothing I need to do to it or draw back into it, then I'll start writing. And 
And when I write, I just, it's stream of consciousness, you know, just, just writing, trying to write from the art's point of view, like stepping, stepping out of the way and just, just writing until it, I, until I get the essence of what the piece is. Sometimes the writing takes uh, a short amount of time. Sometimes it takes weeks to get down to, because, not because it's hard or anything, it's because I'm in the way, but I, and I need to constantly get out of the way to get that voice, to get that pure, what the piece is trying to say. So, it, it really is a partnership. I don't do this by myself, for sure. It's definitely a partnership with whatever it is that is trying to teach me something or come through. That was absolutely amazing. And as is always the case, many times when we interview people, they like to have a prepared script, you know, I, I do this and I do that and I have these qualifications and so on. And Denise indeed had a little biography. And let me just read it to you. I know you wanted to, but you, you've already spoken about this. You've, yeah. you, you've given us the real, true, vulnerable Denise Kessler from the inside out. So this is just what would go out to the public by way of, uh, if you were in an art exhibition or something, this is what the, the people yeah, would read exactly. about you. Yeah. Denise Kester is a full-time studio artist since 1989. She's the owner and distributor of Drawing on the Dream note cards established in 1992. Wow, that's, that's incredible. She studied art and education at the University of Georgia and printmaking at Southern Oregon University in Ashland, Oregon. She is a published author of Drawing on the Dream, Finding My Way by Art, and that's the book that we just showed you, and we would highly recommend it, and we will put a link to this book just below the video and on the podcast. The book explores Denise's process and revelations about art and art making with beautiful illustrations and practical guidance, and we've just seen step-by-step step how she creates them. Denise Kester specializes in monoprint and monotype viscosity printing. Oh, I didn't know that's what it was called. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. As well as multimedia drawing and painting. She teaches a variety of workshops on the creative process, including printmaking, bookmaking, surface design, collage, and block printing. I think we are in the studio of a master right here. I do too. Don't you, Angela <laughs> yes, Rose? I do. Yeah. Doing art is how I express my love for our world. It is how my dreaming earth soul realizes itself. What I do is a reflection of my heart's experience making itself visible. And it's more than that. My art has a story of its own and a life of its own. And we've witnessed that firsthand. My art is magical realism. My art is possibility. The art I create creates me. Now, that does bring us to the end of our little session today. But before we go, I'd like you to give your contact details so that people will be able to see your art and, and perhaps purchase your art and where they might get your book, Drawing on the Dream. Well, the book you can is available um, from any bookstore and on Amazon, um, but I prefer to buy locally <laughs> from your own bookstore, but you can get it on Amazon. And uh, my, you can see my work on drawingonthedream.com. 
And also, I'm, I usually put a lot of my process and work on Instagram. Okay. And I'm in Instagram as uh, at Denise Kester. Fantastic. So you can find me there. Uh, my email is Denise Kester at Drawing on the Dream. So, dot com. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. Let me ask for a question. Do you ever do private commissions for people? Not anymore. I I used to do more of that. Mm-hmm. It's a time thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm very um, involved here, and so it makes it hard to take time to yeah. to do that. Yeah, I do just imagine it would be an amazing personal uh, print for somebody, though. Yeah. Really. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe if we offered her like ten thousand dollars, <laughs> if the price was right. No, I'm just Denise. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an education for us, and it's been. A, we're humbled in your presence because your work is oh, fabulous, well, and you. it's great. The, the the gift that you're bringing to the world of the growth of awareness is superb. Thank right, you. and I think we're all aware too of this particular time, right now. Mm-hmm. that um, it is really time to go deeper, get more aware, um, you know, live a harmonious life with nature and ourselves. So you're doing that and you have been doing that, and your, your paintings are obviously doing that. So thank you very much. This has been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.